previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. But we went a couple of blocks. It was okay. A couple more blocks. A little sketchy. By block five or six, it was time to get the hell out of there. They knew we were not from around there. You have an appointment with you two. Get your glass of wine, set the mood, relax, and just chill. I got some personal issues with Dion because he left his swag. The fact that he was here today and gone tomorrow has really hurt the brand. It just becomes a footnote in history for all intents and purposes. With most athletes, the very best of them is the very worst of them. That's just good enough to get your ass with. You know what I mean? <laughs> and now I can check that off of my bucket list. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Oh, mama, there goes that man. You Ladies and gentlemen, start of our show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Have a great episode coming up for you. And I want to welcome all of you who are listening for the very first time. Thanks a lot for joining us. We hope to become a part of your podcast menu. In addition to that, we're going to tell you ways that you can be interactive and participate, not just by listening, but actually calling, posting, responding, all of those things in just a second. But I also want to thank all of those who listen to each and every episode. We certainly appreciate it. We appreciate your loyalty, your patience, your support, your feedback, you sharing the show and comments and conversations you have around things that are said on this podcast. We appreciate that. So thanks to everybody. Glad that you are aboard. Going to tell you what we have coming up, but first and foremost, want to remind you how you can be interactive. You can call us 24 hours a day at 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. You can join us on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page on Facebook. So you can be able to do that and repost and post things about your teams, your players, respond to poll questions, all of those things. And also on Twitter at WadeWord. W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D, and on threads and Instagram at the Devin Wade. There you go. Got it all on the social media. And, of course, I forgot to mention the WadeSwearProductions.com website where you can learn a little bit on this incomplete. This is like a home under construction that never gets done. It's a website under construction. But it's enough there that you can go back and listen to past episodes and a whole lot more. WadeSwearProductions.com. Now, this time out, we have our guy from the special teams unit, Reggie Brown. A lot of things we talked about last episode came to fruition or at least things happen in reference to things that we commented on last episode but we'll talk to him and we're going to do an edition of balling or falling with him and we have a Lamont Award for the big dummy of the episode. We have some headlines for you and our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. So, so much to get into. So, let's get started with some headlines. In headlines, we want to get into a lot of NFL talk. And we'll do that with Reggie. But what's the biggest story in sports? It's Coach Prime. 
it's Deion Sanders, it's Shadour Sanders, it's Travis Hunter, it's Colorado. They are the biggest story in all of sports. They hauled in 9 million viewers for a game that started at 9 p.m. Central Time. I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything like it. And, and I thought about this, and I wrote a few of these down. Now, I thought about basketball teams because I can't think of any one player. Maybe Reggie Bush, maybe that USC team had a, a good run for a little bit. Vince Young, a little bit. Their Heisman guys, Barry Sanders' year was crazy. Desmond Howard. There have been guys that have garnered a lot of attention. But I really sort of thought about, like, movements. And when you talk about movements on the college level, you're talking about basketball. So I thought about Georgetown and the Hoyas, Five Slamma Jamma, and what they did for college basketball, what the Fab Five did with Weber and Jimmy King and Jackson, Ray Jackson and Jalen Rose and Juwan Howard, that bunch. UNLV. And again, nothing, nothing like this, because this is three games in, three games in, and they get one of the highest ratings ever in college football for a game that started at 9 p.m., 9 p.m. Central, 10 o'clock on the East Coast. Didn't finish to the wee hours. I fell asleep on it at 28-17, and I didn't catch the first part of it because Texas Southern played Rice. I've never seen anything like it. It's unbelievable. And in 60 minutes, six months apart from one another, did a profile on him again. So it's a it's an exciting, wonderful thing. Now, again, I have to deal with things that people think are my opinions of Deion Sanders and all of the stuff with the swag. Now, I can be pro Deion Sanders, and I can be pro swag at the same time. Those are not mutually exclusive. I have some angles about all of that stuff, but it's it's quickly becoming ancient history. It really kind of doesn't matter, but if you're going to get into those sorts of discussions, I'm here for that. And, of course, I asked you guys, all the people who were talking about pro-HBCU, think about this, the George Floyd tragedy, the murder of George Floyd, and the Black Lives Matter movement, and all that came with all the money that Mackenzie Bezos gave to HBCUs and people pouring in contributions and signing deals with HBCUs and Dion is a part of that and all of that energy are all of those people who are just in love with Coach Prime and the mission he had in changing the game, turning the game upside down. HBCUs were going to come back. We were going to flip this thing. We were going to come back home and support our own. He went to Colorado, did you stay? Now, I'm not saying you can't go and support him, but are you staying with HBCUs? Difficult question. We'll find out. I mean, obviously, from my standpoint, being in the, in the SWAC, being involved in the SWAC week in and week out, I feel a difference. Now, where are those people going? Now, again, I'm in a unique position because I'm at Texas Southern. We're on the fringes of the SWAC territory. We're from Florida to Texas, from Arkansas to Tallahassee. I understand that we are on the edges of the SWAC. So when I'm not in Alabama, Louisiana, or, or Mississippi. Mississippi right in the heart of SWAC country, right? What is Jackson State's attendance going to be like? What are the numbers like 
for the HBCU games. I've heard people say, hey, I want to support HBCU. I don't know where to find them. But you found Coach Prime in Colorado at 9 o'clock on a Saturday night. 9.3 million of you. That's neither here nor there when we want to talk about his success. Congratulations to what he is doing because it's phenomenal to be able to do this in a day and age that we're in to corner the market in college football three games in at Colorado. One interesting thing that I saw on the 60 Minutes piece, he left a city that was 83% black in Jackson, Mississippi, and went to an institution that was 1% black. I mean, that's wow. That's a big culture shock. But you can't deny what he's doing. He's creating opportunities for others at Colorado. He brought some people with him and all of that good stuff. So, I, again, let's separate that because I'm, I can be supportive of the movement because it's exciting. You, you have to be excited for the movement, and you have to be excited for him. Look, Dion is a lot of things. He's a salesman, but he's a good dude by all accounts. He's a great father by all accounts. He's a great coach, a great coach by all accounts. And not to mention, he and Barkley are the two most marketable athletes. I know Shaq might make more money and you have other people make more money. But to be out of the game as long as they have, for both Shaq and for Charles Barkley, to be who they are on the media landscape is unbelievable. I mean, Dion is right there with Charles Barkley. And let's not forget about Charles Barkley. Now, Charles Barkley can't do what Dion is doing. They're two different type of guys. But the relevance of Charles Barkley 30 years after he's played, <laughs> I mean, since he was a really top-notch player, or not t- 25 years after he's played, I mean, it's unbelievable. Dion, what he's been able to do since Florida State is unbelievable. We've never seen anything like it on the college level. Let's talk about the one thing I do want to get into. Because there was a big hit that was a a personal foul, 15-yard penalty. And everybody's coming after the kid, saying that the kid should be kicked out. Today, Dion came out and said that there were death threats on the kid. He didn't want that. He forgave the kid. Travis Hunter forgave the kid. On the late hit, he hit Travis Hunter. Travis Hunter will be out three to four weeks. So a lot of people are like, he has Micah Parsons, of all people. He has no place on a team, and his, he shouldn't have a scholarship. What in the hell is wrong with y'all? We are such prisoners of the moment. Do you not understand what this game is? Think about this. I come from Houston, Texas. We had something called the House of Pain. Robert Lyles, Jerry Glanville and company, the House of Pain. That's what the name of it was. Do you remember, and this is for my old-time football people, do you remember Dick Buckus having that video, NFL Films, talking about he visualized the quarterback's head rolling down the stairs, just like in Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte? You know, he he dreamed of a hit that bad where the head would roll up. Do you remember the NFL's biggest hits every year coming out? These gruesome, violent collisions. Now, we have evolved. And we've learned. But let's not forget about the Dick Buckuses of the world. Let's not forget about the House of Pain. Deacon Jones wanting to hurt, hurt quarterbacks. It's unbelievable. Lawrence Taylor, just the the sheer violence of the game. And parts of that you can never, ever legislate out. We've made this about as seven on seven as we can make it without 
really eliminating contact. And I'm all for player safety, and I'm all for playing by the rules. The hit was, it warranted a 15-yarder, and at the very most, if you want to kick him out, you can, except he didn't target as far as with his helmet. He, he hit him. The problem is Travis Hunter is a small guy. It was a late hit. He's deserving of the penalty. But understand the context of what it is. They were joined with each other before the game. This was, this was football. And sometimes when you get a shot as a safety to make a statement, to create a level of intimidation, because that really is non-existent in the secondary anymore. You, it's non-existent. You can't lie in wait because they'll say defenseless receiver. That was a huge, huge part of football because – when you have a guy that's faster and he's wide open in space, the only thing that you have if you can't catch up to him is that intimidation factor. He has to know that he has to keep his head on a swivel and know that if he comes into a certain area, there's a safety there to take his head off. Now, again, I don't, I've learned and I've evolved because I was taught the game a different way. I really was. I mean, we were taught to lead with our helmets, hit with your, look at what you hit, not with the crown. You know, that was the one thing. Do not hit with the crown of your helmet, you'll break your neck. But we were taught to look at our target and hit with, lead with our head. All of that stuff, just the, the, the nature and the desire to play the game in part was because of violence. You wanted to be violent if you were in, on defense. You had to be, you had to want to do that. But now we know, and obviously nobody wants Travis Hunter to be hurt. I'm sure the kid that hit him didn't want him to, to be hurt. Not out for four games. But back in the day, one of the game plans was to get the quarterback out of the game. That was a part of the strategy. So how do we forget this? It hadn't been that long ago. Maybe a generation ago, maybe not even that. How do we forget that now all of a sudden this guy can't be a part of a team. He needs to be kicked out. What in the hell is wrong with you? Like, do you guys watch football? There were 10 hits that were just as more violent that I did off the top of my head that I come up with. Kareem Jackson got ejected from a game for something that was way more flagrant, way more flagrant. There's so many examples of just, it's a violent sport. And people say, well, you, he, he could hurt. He could, he could have killed him. What? No, he couldn't. He hit him in the body. He didn't even hit him in the head. He didn't try to go for his knees that would have ended his season. So put this thing in perspective when you talk about this hit. I am just, I'm amazed at just how, you talk about cancel culture. You want to cancel this kid's scholarship because of a 15-yard penalty? He should have got. And I guarantee you, if Travis Hunter was three inches taller and weighed 15 pounds more, it wouldn't even been a thought. But he's a small, slight guy. The microscope is on Colorado these days. All of excite, all the excitement, all the hype is behind them. So if something disrupts that train that's rolling downhill, people are going to have a problem. And they're jumping on the kid. Hey, man, as a safety, you get a shot. I ain't saying, a, you know, I ain't going to say it's the saintly thing to do. But if you get the chance to give somebody a love tap and send a message that may affect how he plays across the middle, you've done what this game was designed to do for many, many years. It's not acceptable anymore because we don't want people hurt. 
I don't want brain injuries. I don't want people's knees out. It's sickening me to think that Nick Chubb is out for the year. It's so sad to see what these guys go through physically. DeMar Hamlin was just a freak thing that was just terrible to see. I never, ever, ever want to see that again. And I do remember playing a game two nights or a night after a kid died when I was in high school and thinking about that during the national anthem. So nobody wants that. But let's keep this whole thing in perspective. The kid had a late hit. It was late on late. That's that's what it really, really comes down to. It wasn't bam, bam. It was bam, bam. (laughs) So, again, it was not a good look. But if I'm a coach, I'm like, okay, we'll eat that 15-yarder. Be careful next time. Don't just give away 15 yards. And the game, ultimately, they lost. By all accounts, the offense really got going without Travis Hunter. But we hope Travis Hunter comes back. And I know they're going to miss him this week. And that's going to really affect their season. But, I I mean, that young man is exciting to see and to have the opportunity. It's almost like we've had this discussion about Shohei Otani, where Shohei is playing both ways. But he's also been given the opportunity when so many other pitchers weren't given the opportunity to be everyday batters. Well, Travis Hunter, and that's one of the great things about Dion, he's giving Travis Hunter the opportunity to play both ways. But he's a smaller guy. And, again, the hit was not cool, but the win was huge. And the, the, the beef between Jay Norville and Dion, I think that's overblown. I think it actually was good for the game, good for the hype. You got to have a good guy and a bad guy. And I like the fact that Norville embraced the fact that I'm never going to be the good guy in this situation, so let me be the bad guy. And, and it was really as sort of he tippy-toed around sort of being the bad guy. Because truth be told, I think those guys like each other or got along. I don't think it was a real beef. I think it played well for the bulletin board material, for the the, the hype speeches, and, oh, this time it's personal. But Dion knows what it is. And I think that he knows that Jay Norville didn't have any real ill intent. I mean, he's an African-American coach, too. So, again, they're not, it's only going to be so much. So with that, we also talked about uh, last time Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker's been notified that he's going to be fired. He has time to appeal. He's going to appeal. This is going to be a situation that is going to get really, really ugly in the press. There are going to be a lot of lawyers involved. He's still never, ever going to coach at Michigan State, but they're debating about how much money he will leave with. He seems to believe that this was a targeted attack because they wanted him out for other reasons other than true sexual harassment. But you have a alleged victim on the other side of that. She has to be heard out, has to be adjudicated. All of those things will happen however they happen, but he's gone. Here's something that's small because, again, we're going to talk a lot of NFL, so don't worry about that. We will talk some NFL. SMU is going to the ACC, and they have given up their portion to get into the ACC. They agreed to give up their portion of their share of the money from the TV deal for the first, I don't know, five years, whatever, how many ever years. They're going to give up their share. So they're not going to get any money from the TV deal. That'll be divided among other schools. They they said, no, we don't need a cut. But to show you who SMU is, SMU said, okay, now we're going to the ACC alumni. We need to step up. We need to get ready for the ACC. Now, every school has done this. U of H has done this. I'm sure Rice did it at the AAC level. 
But SMU said, we need to come up with $200 million. And guess what? In seven days, they got $100 million. Now, how about this? What if they go out and get Coach Prime? If you can raise $100 million with 30 alumni in seven days, you get that $200 million, you can write a blank check to Dion and Coach Prime to bring the gang back to Dallas where he lives or lived and played. But SMU is for real. And if you bring in $200 million from your alumni, and again, they're halfway there, seven days in. So if you want to talk about the differences between major college football and, say, HBCU football, these cats got $100 million in seven days. Wrap your head around that. And think about this. This is another thing I want you to think about when you think about SMU. Remember Eric Dickerson and uh, Reggie Dupree, Craig James, the Pony Express? Dupree came after those guys, but he was a prominent running back. Ball played there from uh, from the Golden Triangle, played in the NFL. What is, it, what is it first name? I have to think about it. I, maybe I'll ask Reggie that. But, yeah, they are serious about football. And, of course, I was recruited by SMU. By the way, went on a trip to SMU. They were on the death penalty at that point, but they were trying to stock the cabinet to bring football back. And the head coach was Forrest Gregg. And I remember going on that tour at SMU with Forrest Gregg. Yeah, Hall of Famer Forrest Gregg was the head coach at that time. But SMU, they got the loot. And they are, they're coming with it. And they're making a huge statement, $100 million in seven days. So with that, going to take a brief time out, come back on the other side. Going to talk a little bit about the Astros and a few other things. And then, of course, down the road, a conversation with Reggie Brown from the Special Teams Unit. And, of course, the Lamont Award. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast. For past episodes or more content, go to wadeswordproductions.com. Your children are the most precious gift God has given you. Their well-being is of the utmost importance, and finding childcare that exhibits the same belief is, well, non-negotiable. So why not end your search at Brighter Brains Learning Center? Located in Stafford, Texas, Brighter Brains is a licensed, family-owned and operated daycare that promotes an early educational foundation and provides an environment of love, safety, and quality care for children ages 6 weeks to 5 years old. For more information, call 346-328-3717 or visit brighterbrainslearningcenter.org. It's Shelly Wade, and welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade. Just to clarify something I was talking about a little bit earlier, talking about the House of Pain. That was the Houston Oilers home stadium, the Houston Astrodome. That's when Jerry Glanville was the head coach, and it was the resurgence of the Oilers after a long time of uh, futility, and uh, they bounced back. But uh, Robert Lyles and the House of Pain was a thing for the Houston Oilers. Also, when you talk about marketable athletes, obviously you can't leave out Michael Jordan, but when you talk about their impact on the media, nobody else like Jordan and Dion. And finally, when I talked about the highest ratings, ESPN, among the highest ratings ever for a college football game for ESPN. And so if you are not 
overdosed on Coach Prime and the Colorado Buffs yet, you will be because that is the goose that lays the golden egg. We've already seen, like, game day be there a couple of times, be with them two or three times. Both morning college football shows originated from Boulder this past weekend. The Rock was around, and Shannon Sharp was, has been around. I mean, it's just it's a lot, and it's a, a wonderful thing. We just cannot forget about HBCU football. Swack, swack, remember. Because I am swack. Got to get those swack hours. I'm swack. Also, the Astros win today. They are bumbling and stumbling down the stretch and are scaring me. Ryan Presley blew a save, but Dubon hit a walk-off single to win over a very tough Orioles team. I think the Orioles are still a, a year away. But offensively, man, they got some bets. And they gave... The Astros fits, but so have the A's and the Kansas City Royals and the Yankees. The Astros have really struggled over the last past four or five series. Think about it. It started with the Yankees. You get swept by the Yankees. You lose two out of three to the A's. You lose two out of three to the Royals. You lose two out of three to the uh, Baltimore Orioles. And you're still in first place because the rest of the division is collapsing behind you. Thank goodness. But, boy, they're not breeding a lot of confidence with 10 games left in the regular season. We're going to try to get somebody on to talk about the Houston Astros here real soon because I am into baseball and I want you guys to be as well. Finally, uh, before I take another timeout, had another tough weekend with the Texas Southern Tigers. Of course, I do play-by-play for Texas Southern football, played Rice, and Luke McCaffrey, the younger brother of Christian McCaffrey and the son of former NFL player Ed McCaffrey, he did work. He did work, and JT Daniels did a lot of work from the transfer who's been coast-to-coast playing football, including, what, Georgia and Missouri and somewhere else. He's at Rice now, and he looked like a grown man among boys and just hadn't fared well. They win that game 59-7. to Tough couple of weeks for Texas Southern, but we go to take on Hugh Jackson and the G-Men of Grambling State. I'll be sure to post some pictures of uh, the tributes to Eddie Robinson on my IG. At the Devin Wade. So that's going on. Big fam, you Alabama State game. I'm sure Reggie will have a comment or two on that. Going to take time out. Come back with Reggie Brown and Alamana Ward. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anyway, you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple. And it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832 757 7950. That's 832-757-7950. Cobank Homes through Keller Williams.
That's our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy on the mix. But I want to remind you guys, if you have music you want heard on the podcast, if you're a fledgling artist or a DJ and you want your mix heard or your songs heard, it doesn't matter the genre, just email us, music at wagewordproductions.com. That's music at wagewordproductions.com. We'll play a snippet at the halfway point and an entire track or an extended portion of a mix at the end of the episode. Speaking of music, y'all know who's in town this weekend. Beyonce. Yes. B's hit. It's, it's going to be that kind of thing. couple nights here, the city is really going crazy already. This tour and the Taylor Swift tour have been just monumental and super impactful on all aspects of the economy and the different sites that these uh, young ladies have toured. But Beyonce's coming here. And I want you guys to thank my brother, Jordan Wade, for his lack of game. Because, and I've told this story before. If you heard it, bear with me. Maybe it gets better because I'm telling it again. So when I was writing for the LaVita News, the Ebony Voice newspaper, I was a sports editor, did an entertainment column as well. Their offices were on the fifth floor of a building off of Bissonette. On the sixth floor of that building, was Music World. If you know what Music World is, it was Matthew Knowles's company. It was Beyonce and Destiny's Child, Destiny Child, Destiny's Child. Um, this, that was their their offices, right? That's where they did a lot of. So you would see the young ladies there from time to time. On this particular day, my brother and I, which he was a photographer for me. Oh, he did photography for me. So he got a chance to shoot some sporting events for me for many years. And and that was a whole lot of fun. But we were in the building. And we were coming down the elevator. And Beyonce and two of the other young ladies from Destiny's Child. And I have to get with him to remind me of who, which ones they were. Might have been Kelly was one of them. Can't remember the other one. I don't think it was Michelle. I think it was before Michelle. There were three of them. And that's when it was four in the group. But I think it was three of them. I think that's right. Beyonce was checking my brother out a little bit. Like my brother could have shot his shot. Not saying how it would have went, but he didn't take his shot. And the rest is music history. Had he taken his shot, maybe Beyonce will be singing on Malico Records right now. We never know. Maybe she would be running her mom's hair salon because he would have ruined her career. Or maybe he would have been on a yacht too and started his own rap career. Not that she made Jay-Z, but I'm just saying the butterfly effect, you never know. If my brother would have shot his shot, maybe Beyonce wouldn't be the biggest entertainer in the entire world. So when you go see Beyonce, think about that and thank my brother's lack of game for that. With that, let's get into our interview with our guy from the Special Teams Unit. Here's Reggie Brown. Here with our guy, Reggie Brown from the Special Teams Unit. And I tell you what, Reg, we were sort of prophetic in a lot of ways. And I'll get to what we, what I'm talking about. And I think specifically about the Steelers defense. But we'll get into that a little bit later. But how are you? I am great, man. You know, football is in full swing, college. You know, NFL, all of those things are just excited, man. You know, another great week of football coming up, and can't wait to see what happens. 
So I did the daily, what well, a weekend double, not the daily double. I've done the daily double. Used to be, there was a time, and I don't know if you've, I'm sure you've experienced it, especially as a coach, where four days in a row I was at games. I would do Thursday night high school, Friday night high school, college on Saturday, NFL on Sunday. And I don't do much high school because I'm doing TSU, and then I have the Friday Express. I do music on Friday on the radio, a very popular show in the city of Houston and beyond. But have you had those days where you've done three days in a row of football on every level? Well, it's it's real easy to do in Houston. As you know, in Texas, football is king. So, you know, here you can catch a good football game on Thursday night, high school, Friday night, high school, and then you got Texas Southern, HBU, Rice, et cetera, U of H, to get, if you want to see a good game on Saturday, and then obviously the Texans on Sunday. So, yeah, man. And, and at this time of the year, for a football fan, it's just the best, man. I don't know if there's a better time of the year than right now. Well, on one hand, I hate Thursday games, but it really only leaves you with two days of the week where you don't have football. Those are recovery days. That's that's Tuesday and Wednesday, and I think they had those MAC games on Tuesdays. So you might still only have one day out of the week where you don't have football. But I called TSU Rice, which was that was hard to do. Went home. <laughs> yeah, it was a tough week. Two two tough weeks in a row. Then I saw the Colorado game until I fell asleep on the Colorado-Colorado State game. Then I went to the Texans the next day for the Texans home opener. So, football weekend, and I loved it. You had an opportunity to see the Texans. What did you think of the quarterback duel between Anthony Richardson and C.J. Stroud, as short as it was? I think that they're both going to be good quarterbacks in the NFL. It's going to take some time. Obviously, Anthony Richardson, his skill set allows him to have much, much more impact on the game right now with his ability to run the football from the quarterback position. But overall, you know, the Texans, you know, I'm not counting much of this season because you got a new coach, rookie quarterback, you know, all of those things. But I do believe that they're building something here in Houston. Well, I mean, if you look at it and what I thought, and we talked about this, and this is one of the many things that came to mind when I watched the game, assessing C.J. Stroud versus Richardson. And I know C.J. ended up with a really nice game statistically, and a lot of that was due to it being kind of garbage time. I mean, although there's not as much garbage time in the NFL, but you could clearly see, and in my opinion, and let's see if you agree with this, Anthony Richardson commanded that offense. They, they ran the first five plays. He ran two of those. Two of his first three runs were for touchdowns. So, I mean, but when he just came out, he just looked like he was in command. And that was something you mentioned in the previous podcast that you've seen times where C.J. Stroud didn't look in command. Did you see a difference between those two quarterbacks that day? I, I did, but again, I will say that it's easier for Richardson to command the offense when, you know, you can drop back one, two, look, and then run, right? So he's going to give the appearance of being in more control. Now, I do agree that he had more control of the offense than Stroud, but I think the running had a lot to do with it. Um, but when you've got wheels like that and – you know, you can easily take off. And he's electric, man, when he gets the ball in his hand. 
Yeah, man, that dude is going to be nice. He left the game, and I didn't see a play where he was injured. You find out later it was a self-diagnosed concussion. As a matter of fact, like three or four players left the game with concussions. And I just wonder, did that have anything to do with the lack of play in the preseason? I know some injuries, like the Nick Chubb injury, is sort of unavoidable, and that could happen at any time. But it seemed to me that, I don't know, it just seems like these guys are having these injuries because they're not in football shape, condition. I mean, like condition to take that kind of punishment. Do you have any thoughts on that? I don't know, man. You know, I, I want to make sure that I'm being sensitive to what's going on. And uh, obviously players that played in my era, a lot of them are dealing with some serious brain issues from CTE and all of that stuff. But, man, what they call in concussions now was just a normal, you know, drink some water and get back in the game. So I, I just yeah, don't I know what to you know what to think about all of these concussions, the way that the NFL is handling. I appreciate that they're looking out for players and, and the health of players, but I don't know. And I don't want to seem disingenuous. Yeah, and, you know, so we'll have to sort of monitor that. And I, I err on the side of caution is a good thing. And uh, it's good that Richardson was self-aware enough to say, hey, something ain't right, let me leave the game. It yeah. really created a situation where it was anticlimactic, except Gardner Minshew came in, he put up 17 more points for Indianapolis. Right. So the thing that stood out to me, and we've talked about this, and I think a lot of people, we talked about this on KTSU Sports Talk as well, a lot of people say, well, Stroud, the Texans are not going to win with Stroud throwing the ball. Instead, they're going to have a running game that they can depend on, except they don't. And they have not been able to run the football. And he had a, a great afternoon statistically, and he made some really nice throws, Nico Collins. Yes. But what what are they going to do if they can't get more of a running game? Well, again, I, I think that, you know, you run – Pierce 15 times in one game, you run him 11 times in the other game. I don't know how much the Texans are really trying to run the football with them. Like you said, the the the, the thing around town was they're going to have a running game and they're going to protect the young guy and, you know, they're going to throw as needed. Uh, I don't see a real emphasis on on him on them really trying to run the ball. I see them now have went to this thing where, you know, Stroud going to have to throw more than we thought. And uh, for a young guy, I don't know if that's the best thing to do. I did believe that they would, which is surprising, that they would kind of lean on Miko's defense more. But then, as you mentioned, Gardner Minshew comes in and scores 17 more points. But I think that's the biggest, single most disappointing thing about the Texans. Their defense is just not, they're not there. I mean, you can't let, let a journeyman like Gardner Minshew. And think about this. No Jonathan Taylor. So now you got Zach Moss running over you like that? You got Ooh. Zach Moss doing work on you? And, you know, it's just I don't know what they're going to do defensively. And I can tell you this. If they send him back to pass 35 times, 40 times next week against Jacksonville, yeah. it ain't going to be a long seat. You can't keep yeah. doing that. You're going yeah. to you're gonna have to try to stay. Do you think they didn't? commit to it or they just got away from it too soon they they didn't find a success so they got away from it too soon 
Well, the first game they had 11 rushes for 38 yards, 3.5 average, right? Right. And so when you, you know, that's fair production to have a 3.5. Obviously, you want to be in the 4.0, but if you can do that consistently and create third and three, third and two, then, you know, you, you have something, but when you, you get away from it so quick and then you throw on first down and maybe you have an incomplete, you throw on second down and it's short, now you have to throw. And as you said, you start putting this young guy back there and letting team throw all, uh, tee off on him. NFL means not for long. So I mentioned Zach Moss in for Jonathan Taylor. And the entire offseason has been a situation where these running backs have been undervalued. They couldn't can't get their money. And this seemed like a very tough weekend for running backs to make their case. And I mean that with the loss of Nick Chubb and his replacement, Jerome Ford, who I had never heard of, 16 carries for 106 yards in his absence. Saquon Barkley, who really brought the Giants back, but he they're talking about he could be back Thursday. I don't think there's no way he's back Thursday. Maybe, but I doubt it. But at the time, they thought he may be out for three or four weeks. And then a guy like Jonathan Taylor not in the game, and you have Zach Moss. Run the football. So, like, these guys have been kind of, well, not Saquon so much, but in Chubb's absence, forward 100 yards. And Zach Moss, I, I don't know what his final numbers were, but he did work. So, was this a bad weekend for running backs trying to make their case for long-term deals? Well, I, I think both things can be true at the same time. You know, one case for the running back is to say, look, man, we play a very physical position. So you got to pay us because the chances of us getting hurt are more, you know, are more likely than maybe most other positions. I mean, they banging every single play. And so, you know, there's that case. And then the owners certainly have a case to say, look, we give you the ball. We run you a lot. So you're going to hurt quicker, so we ain't going to pay you because you ain't going to last. You know what I mean? So I think both of those things are true, and I think it, that is why the running backs got to do everything to get their money because they are in such a physical sport, physical position, and the owners got to try to protect some of their finances because the running backs are in that position. Yeah, that's a tough one, and, and it's a really – uh, ongoing debate. I don't know if there's anything that can be done. I did hear comments from Danian Tomlinson, and he basically said these guys better learn how to be like a Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey kind of guy where you catch out of the backfield. You got to be part of the passing game, run routes if you want to get paid. Only a few guys. Chubb was one, and Derrick Henry was the other one that was like horses. Those are like throwback guys. I, I don't, off the top of my head, I can't think of another throwback guy like that, where you just like, hey, yeah, we're going to let him tote the rock 30 so let, times. Let me, let me throw this at you. How many running backs in the NFL are averaging 25 carries a game? Mm, well, this year, none, I don't think. And I think the only one that probably came close was Derrick Henry last year. So that's my point. In, in previous years, probably to up around 2010, 11, 12, that was nothing. I mean, how many carries did LaDamian Thomason get a game? Yeah, a bunch. I mean, so these guys are getting less carries. That's then you and I have had this discussion before. 
They're getting less carries. The game is, quote, unquote, less physical. They're protecting players more and more, yet we're having more and more injuries. So, you know, I don't know how you reconcile that. And and, and the only exception to that, and like I said, with, with a lighter workload, you look at a guy like Saquon Barkley. He brought that team back. You look at what they have going on with the Jets. They're going to need Bryce Hall and uh, Dalvin Cook. They're going to need those guys to get that work. So, like, their value outweighs their statistical contribution, if you know what I mean. Like, Saquon, whatever his numbers are, he's so much more important to the New York Giants' success offensively than Daniel Jones is. And Daniel Jones got paid, and he's like – Low key bum level. <laughs> I mean, well, it ain't quite. low key. It is what it is. <laughs> right, right. So you know what I'm saying? Like, like if you say Quan, you saying okay, yeah. Daniel got his money just because he played quarterback. But I'm the straw that stirs the drink for this Giants offense, and I should be paid as such. So that's what's tough. But figure this: Priest Hall against the Cowboys had four carries. Michael Carter had two carries. Devin Cook had four carries. Zach Wilson had five carries. Well, that's I a mean, coaching mistake because they clearly <laughs> got their ass whooped. So that was right. a mistake. Right. Like, like I, I don't understand what some of this stuff is. You got Zach Wilson. You should be leaning on your running game. Yet, Zach Wilson leads the team in carries, and he throws it for 27 times. Yeah, that was a, just an error. And maybe they'll revisit that after they look at the film. I mean, if you're afraid of, like, the Cowboys' pass rush, the way to get off of that is to, you know, make them – hit them. Hit them in the mouth with those offensive linemen try to get something on the ground, slow, slow that pass rush down. But if you're dropping back doing all of that, you're not giving yourself a chance. Well, that brings us to a segment that we call Balling or falling. Let's do it. In this segment, we give Reggie a player team entity, and he will tell me if they are balling or falling. Let's start with a guy we talked about last podcast, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson and Denver Broncos 0-2. They go down at home to the commanders, and it came down to the wire. And he had a, a Hail Mary or whatever, a last-minute throw, and they scored a touchdown, go for two. I saw a pass interference in the end zone, wasn't called. But Russell Wilson did have – that offense had 33 points. He was 18 for 33 uh, – 32, 308 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. Add to that six carries for 56 yards. Balling or falling is Russell Wilson back. So is that balling or falling? It's falling. I keep on falling. Yeah, I think that Russell Wilson is the quarterback, and uh, you bring him in, he has a subpar year last year, and then you bring in Peyton, and you think that they're going to get it together, and they're out the gate 0-2, and now you got to go to Miami. I just don't see how they win that game. So you're talking about starting out 0-3, and, you know, maybe all of it is not on Russell, but a lot of it is on the quarterback. He got to make plays, and he, ultimately he's going to decide if they win or lose, and right now they're losing. But let's talk about his performance because that's what the question essentially is. His offense under his leadership had 33 points. 
How many points do you have to score? And obviously one more than the opponent. But if you score 33 points at home, you're supposed to win that game. Statistically, you win that game. Well, you said it best. Uh, you got to score more than uh, one more than the other team. And they had the ball, you know, the last series of the game. And they got to find a way to seal the deal. And, you know, like I said, it ain't fair, man. You know, this ain't the, <laughs> this ain't the YMCA. You know, it ain't no participation trophies. It ain't fair. But was that a pass but, interference in the end zone, in your opinion, uh, on the two-point conversion? Because I thought it was. He was there early. And it, I, I, I don't know if you called that at that point. I think, you know, it's always the same thing. You know, we see it all the time. On the last play of the game, you put the whistle um, in your mouth and you let players. Because uh, it, it wasn't egregious. And, you know, I'll just go with that. I, I didn't think it was egregious. Well, I mean, I, for I mean, in my opinion, I think if we get a week off from bashing Russell Wilson, because 308 yards, three touchdowns, yeah. and 56, yeah. you can give him a break. He may not be all the way back, but I, I don't think this one is on him at all. I think that that really essentially is on that defense. So next up, in balling or falling, let's talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Now, again, we talked about Jerome Ford coming in, getting 16 carries for 106 yards in a situation where Nick Chubb goes down. But the defense for the Steelers scored two touchdowns. Is the Steelers defense balling or falling? I, I like that defense, man. I, I, I think they still got some work to do, so they balling. balling. I think they still got some work to do, but with Minka and Watt, and with Haywood, is that the, the D lineman? Yeah. With Haywood, I mean, uh, they, they, they got enough yeah. over there. So, yeah, I, I think they balling. But I worry about them being able to stop the run. That pass rush was everything you wanted to be. Cleveland didn't protect Deshaun Watson. Uh, another bad well, night for him. What do you think of him? Well, first, this is a passing league. So if you say they couldn't stop the run, okay. But because ultimately, and we keep seeing it over and over and over, when teams should run the ball, they continue to throw it. So the run defense would be good enough. We had a little bit of a hiccup, but go ahead and complete your thought on Deshaun Watson's performance. Well, I, I just, you know, he doesn't look the same. You know, obviously he was out for almost a year and a half or so, and then – you know, he came back last year for six games, and then this year he had, you know, the whole training camp, and I thought that he would look better. Clearly, there's some rush still there. Uh, I think that the more he plays, the more he gets comfortable with the offense, the better he's going to get. I think losing Chubb is going to hurt him because now they're going to have to lean on him, and he doesn't have time to get it right now. He got to be right with Chubb gone going to be tough for him and boy i wonder if he can ever look like he did before we'll have to really keep an eye out because the boo birds and all that stuff is going to start they're going to start to come out in a major way and everybody is going to be like yep that's karma which is stupid but i mean (laughs) that's what people are going to do naturally so finally in balling or falling the nfc south with three two and oh teams atlanta two and oh new orleans two and oh tampa bay two and oh when you look at the victories you have atlanta with wins over carolina and green bay 25 24 you have new orleans with wins over the titans and the panthers that are in the division and then you have tampa bay with wins over the vikings and the bears is that nfc south balling or falling 
is falling. Somebody got to win it. I like a lot of the individual players in there. I mean, how can you not like Bijan coming in as a rookie and doing what he's doing? Baker is a feel-good story, you know, leading that franchise. Derek Carr over in New Orleans winning and all of that. But whoever they play in the first round going to beat the brakes off. <laughs> <laughs> so not impressed by the 2-0, and the 2-0 uh, by all those teams. Well, as uh, we wrap up here, man, uh, we talked about – I talked about this, uh, the Colorado sort of the takeover – Unbelievable the amount of, ten, uh, of attention. One of the highest rated ESPN games ever in college football. 9.3 million viewers for a 9 o'clock game. Any thoughts on on that game, on what you saw on the hit, any of that? I don't like talking about, well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it, it's impressive what Dion has done in, in a very, very short time. I mean, uh, Dion is a brand. And that brand is for real. You know, it's been a brand since 1989 when he was at Florida State. And um, it's a brand now. So very impressive with what he's done. You know, you and I talked about this offline. The NFL college, you know, it's a physical game, man. And, you know, death threats because of a hit in a game, in a very violent game. You know, people are just crazy, man. You know, that's yeah, just yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I even heard Michael Parsons make comments. But the thing I said, I mean, I said a bunch. But one of the things, if Travis Hunter was three inches taller and weighed 15 to 20 pounds more, that wouldn't have even been – you wouldn't even blink twice at that. He's just a, a slight guy. And the effects were a lot more damaging on his body because he's a smaller guy. And that's something that's going to be a challenge for him if and when he goes to the NFL and as he continues as a college football player, in, in my opinion. But, yeah, you know, it's a 15-yard penalty, but I ain't, ain't, it ain't that serious to me. Right. To me. Right. I mean, you know, when I played – you know, that was a practice. That, 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 that hit went every day in practice, man. You know. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what to say. Yeah, it's a change in times. Miami Dolphins yeah. uh, continuing to roll. You said it. You mentioned the Patriots being a tough out. I mean, they are a tough out. And they proved to be so against Philadelphia and against Miami. And the tough thing about them is they're 0-2. But they played two, maybe a Super Bowl preview right there. When you talk about well, Philadelphia and Miami. Well, I, you know, I think that Belichick, while he has not been able to win a Super Bowl or come close to that since Brady, he really is answering the question that it was both of them. I mean, you most people forget they came within one bad call last year of going to the playoffs. And this year... They've been right there toe-to-toe -to -toe with two very good football teams. You know, it's the, 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 there are certain things that travel. It's disciplined football teams and defensive football teams. If you can be disciplined and play solid defense, you got a chance. And they just always got a chance. And they played, the, played one hell of a game against the Dolphins. Um, thankfully, they came up short. Um, and it came down to the last series in the game. Yeah, well, like I said, it'll be interesting to watch moving forward, and we'll have to keep our eye on a number of things. I'm heading to northern Louisiana with the Texas Southern Tigers over the weekend, and, of course, uh, Alabama State big game against FAMU this weekend. Hey, we need this one, man. We got to have this one. After losing to Miles and the school hadn't ever lost to Miles, we got to go down there and get a big 
um, win down there in Tallahassee, and it's going to be tough. Hey, man, well, it's always great to talk to you, and we look forward to visiting with you real soon. That's what's up, the special team. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. want to thank Reg, as always, and if you have feedback or comments on what his comments were on what he said or what we talked about, please feel free to give us a call, 832-941-6614. If you have something you want us to talk about, a team, a player, a situation, hit us up and let us know. But with that, it is time for... The Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks with no lifeboats and no life preserver and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the player, team, entity, someone in or around the world of sports we deem to be the big dummy of the episode. Well, this time out, you know, sometimes you give out Lamont Awards just because something in general happens. But this time, it's personal. It's personal because Gilbert Arenas, Agent Zero. You remember Gilbert Arenas? Most of you will probably remember him about the gun situation in the Wizards locker room that pretty much essentially ended his career. All of the craziness around his ex-wife or baby's mother, whatever that drama is. She was a basketball wife. And if you've been on YouTube down that rabbit hole, you've learned a lot about him his situation, his woman, his what, his in-laws, all of the, all of that. There's a lot going on with him. And let me say this. Started out, I, I really have always sort of liked him. He's been eccentric. He's been weird. He's been scatterbrained. He's been. He was a. I mean, I really liked him as a player. He he would say any kind of wild thing. He sort of walks the line between sort of a ingenious kind of weird off kilter guy and a straight up clown. I mean, he, he sort of walks that line. You sometimes you think, okay, this guy's really really sharp, and then sometimes you're like, okay, yeah, he's he's an idiot. And, and this time he kind of ventured into idiot territory. Now maybe he was trolling, but essentially it's personal because he came after one of our icons. Akeem Olajuwon, one of my top five all-time favorite players in any sport. That's my guy. Five Slammer Jammer, H-Town. I went to school with his brother, but that was a different conversation. We're not going to even talk about that situation. But I went to high school with his brother. That still didn't affect my uh, opinion. And, and I've co- I covered him. I, I interviewed him. I've talked to him. He hooped at Fondy. You know, back in the day against kids and cats from my neighborhood. So Dream is is H-Town through and through. Houston Rockets' first world championship other than the AFL. The Houston Oilers won in the AFL in 60-61. But the 94-95 Rockets got it done. I'm telling you, man, it uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful time. So you cannot slander Hakeem Olajuwon in any way. I loved him since he was Hakeem Olajuwon. So that's, that's how deep it goes for me and for the city of H-Town when it comes to riding for Hakeem Olajuwon. How did Gilbert Arenas and Hakeem Olajuwon even cross paths for the Lamont Award? Well, obviously, you may have heard the headline. He blasted Giannis Antetokounmpo. Now, Giannis Antetokounmpo is one of the best players in the world, MVP, world champion, all of that. He is from Greece, but essentially these people are from Africa. And he grew up. Loving and admiring Hakeem Olajuwon. Hakeem Olajuwon was popular in his home. His parents loved him. He's an icon for the entire continent of Africa. It's it's deep 
for them not only because of what he did, but who he was and where he came from. So it really important to him to have a connection with Akeem Olajuwon. Well, essentially, he is paying Akeem Olajuwon $50,000 to help him work on his game as a big man. And Gilbert Arenas has a major problem with that. He actually thinks that Olajuwon is sort of scamming Giannis Antetokounmpo. According to Gilbert Arenas, Akeem Olajuwon is charging Giannis Antetokounmpo $50,000 to give him some moves in the low post, to teach him as a big man how to play. And Gilbert Arenas has a huge problem with Giannis doing it and Akeem charging it. Now, there are several ways to look at this. First and foremost, why are you counting another man's money? And how do you have a problem with how another man spends his money? So you are in this man's pockets. You are on this man so tough that you want to be in a, a financial advisor for Giannis Antetokounmpo. Antetokounmpo has already made $188 million on the court. Not to mention whatever he makes off the court. And he has another $200 million coming on in his current deal. Something crazy like that. Uh, over the next couple of years, he'll be making $46 million, $47 million, and $51 million for each of the next three seasons. Something like that. But yet, you are counting his money. You are so concerned about him. And maybe you were just trolling. And I tend to believe a lot of that that you were doing was just trolling. Because why would you worry about his money? Did he call you from Greece when you were paying attorney's fees and getting fined and losing tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars because of your foolishness off the court? Did he call you about how much you had to spend on lawyers for your personal situation? Like nobody was on your money. Nobody is spending your money or, or clocking your dollars for you and how you spent your money. You don't ever tell another man, A, what he can charge and B, how to spend his money. That's not your child. That's a grown ass man. And if he wants to spend this with, and, and let's get this clear. Akeem Olajuwon was a unicorn when he came out. The game continues to evolve, and the big man is a different thing. But he was one of one with his footwork, his the way he ran the floor. He is considered consistently, and this is even being underestimated because I do think he's underrated when you talk about the all-time greats. But he's consistently one of the top three to five centers to ever play the game of basketball. So to tell everybody that he has nothing to offer Giannis Antetokounmpo in today's game, that's And it's just not true because there are so many subtleties that can make him a better player. And when he can't run the floor as good, when he has to slow down in the half court and, and he can't do the things that really he's the most effective at, you add weapons to your arsenal. That's like saying Michael Jordan can't teach these guys anything. You know, or like LeBron can't teach these young guys anything about the game of basketball because the game is different. It's ridiculous and it's stupid. And for that reason, Gilbert Arenas, I mean it. I mean it in my spirit. You are a big dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> Gilbert Arenas, 
generally and whatever he does in his personal life i really know way too much about it i mean even though i haven't retained much i've seen a lot i know his baby's mother i've heard all the stuff she said and that's really neither here nor there i know way way too much about him but leave this man and what he charges out of it if you make 46 million dollars a year and you want to add something that you can't get from anybody else for a mere 50 grand Hey, if you want to pay that, pay that. If it's a hundred grand, if you want to pay that, pay that. What? That's your business. Look, NBA players waste way more than that allegedly, reportedly, in strip clubs and other places, doing all kind of dumb. <laughs> and you complaining because this man, he has a a perfect record of like off the court. He's just a great dude. And by all accounts, does the right thing, family guy, all of that stuff. And he wants to spend his money impacting and affecting and improving his game. And you got some to say about that. GTOF, man. Come on now. Gilbert, you got me hot on this one. So I'm done. But before I let go. Before I let go. Before I let go, I want to thank Reggie, want to thank DJ Anarchy, want to thank Brighter Brains, want to thank Cobank Holmes, want to thank you guys, want to thank you for listening and supporting us and continue to share it and uh, talk about the podcast. And if you want to get in, please give us a call, 832-941-6614. If you have something to say, if you have a question, a comment, if you want to make picks with us, if you want to talk fantasy, Whatever your questions are, hit me up and we will get to them. And we may just have you on the very next podcast. In addition to that, Facebook, Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page is posted every single day by somebody. Also, I post poll questions from time to time and get your feedback on that site as well. You can go to Wade's Word Productions. You can hit me up on Twitter at Wade's Word. On IG, I've been posting a lot of fun stories on IG at the Devin Wade and on threads because everybody's getting ready to leave Twitter. So thank you so much. And if you can't remember any of that, Please remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.